Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, as we continue in the flow of what God has for us tonight, I want to... um, We'll, we'll honor the Lord in the tithe and the offering at the end of the service tonight. <clears throat> I want to go right on into what he's doing <clears throat> through us. Hallelujah. And I'm going to rehearse what we have in <clears throat> this as our focus for 2024, what the Lord spoke to our pastor back in October of the previous year to prepare us for this year. He said that 2024 will reco- this is what it will be and this is what you will see. 2024 will require <clears throat> spiritual discernment to be able to see through the smoke of lies and deception and see the truth. It will be a time of confusion for many as they attempt to navigate by their physical senses and feelings. 2024 will require spiritual maturity. It will require that believers grow in the word, in the spirit, in love, and in peace. Yes, peace will be the order of the day for the believer in 2024. And as they walk in peace and live in peace, victory will be the result. Are you hearing your homework assignment? This peace will be necessary because 2024 will hold many ups and downs for the world. On the political scene and the financial scene, there will be tumult, rocking back and forth because they will insist on placing their trust in men and in what men can produce. Many believers who focus on the natural will be caught up in this as well as they as well because they too believe the answer is found in man or in man's plan. But for the believer who will stay focused on the word, do I have any of those in the room tonight focused on the word? For the believer who will walk and live in the spirit, for the believer who will make peace the order of the day, there will be smooth sailing. So what are you anticipating? There will be waves on either side of the boat, yet they are protected by a bubble of peace. They will walk in health, total prosperity, and total victory. There will be no peace in 2024 for the wicked. But for the believer, 2024 will be a year that peace reigns, victory flows, and love wins. 2024, a year of peace and overcoming victory. So our focus is on the Word. Amen. Our focus is on the Word, and we are making the Word our anchor. We're established in the Word. We are dealing with situations differently than people who don't have God in their life deal with them. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, it talks about a different way of dealing with some things, and I want to look at it. 
Philippians chapter 4. It says in verse 6, be careful for nothing. Can you show me the amplified of that that verse right there in in Philippians 4, 6? Be careful for nothing. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. We're talking about peace being the order of the day then, aren't we? Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Can you do that? Well, not in your human ability, but if you're walking in the Spirit, you can. Because when you're walking in the Spirit, that's where the equipment is to do this. That's where the strength is found to refuse every anxiety. So anxiety... Is, uh, is contraband. Amen. It's contraband. It's an illegal spiritual substance. You don't want to be caught with it. Amen. If they do a pat down, if they, if they bring you through and want to wand you and do a pat down and they're searching, you don't want there to be any anxiety found. Why? Because that's illegal contraband. For us, do not let any, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Well, what do I do about things then that are difficult? What do I do about things that are, are trying to bring stress into my life? What do I do about things that are pressing on me? It says there is something you can do. And because this is what God has chosen for you as the proper response, he says, in every circumstance and in everything. So these difficult situations that want to make you respond with fretting and anxiety, instead, he said, by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, Continue to make your wants known to God. We were laughing in in our prayer time for the praise team because uh, Pastor Ron was saying that when he first saw that word Thanksgiving as a little boy, it used to be on the wall in here somewhere. He said, all I could think was Thanksgiving dinner, you know, the holiday Thanksgiving. And I have to admit, I too, when the first time I heard uh, Keith Moore's teaching on Thanksgiving victory, every time he would say the word Thanksgiving, I saw turkey. (laughs) I did, because I wasn't accustomed to looking at that as a verb, giving of thanks. And so, but but let's, let's pull that back up there on the Amplified. He said, in every circumstance... Those, especially those circumstances that most people would respond with anxiety. Those circumstances that try to cause you the pressure of worry and fear and distraught. In those circumstances, prayer, this petition, this definite request is what God has chosen for your response. So prayer is your response. That's the proper response in those circumstances. Well, what kind of prayer? He said prayer that you use a giving of thanks with, that you, are, you, you bring gratitude into it. Well, you know, the reason we give thanks 
is when we receive something. If I give you something and you receive it, what is the proper response? Thank you. So this means prayer that is that you leave there knowing you've received it. Right? Now, there's no room to fear. There's no room for pressure, for worry, for anxiety. Why? Because I have made my definite request, and I know I have it, so I'm going to give thanks. And then if I have another difficult situation, it says continue to make your wants known to God. You're, you can, that prayer is not a repeat of the prayer that you, because you've already received the answer to that one. But tomorrow, when you have a different situation, or later on today, when you have a different situation, I'm going to repeat this response because this is the way I'm supposed to respond. I make petition to God when I have difficult situations. I go to him and I deal with that situation and I walk out of his presence or I walk away from that moment of prayer knowing I have the answer. So let's look at third, uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. <clears throat> 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have. Confidence is a synonym for faith, isn't it? It's another way to say faith. This is the faith that we, the confidence, because faith is a certainty. It's a confidence of things hoped for. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, if we ask anything according to his will, or you could say in line with his will, in other words, I can't ask to win the lottery and walk away with confidence because that's not in line with the will, right? I can't ask to marry somebody else's husband. That's not in line with the will. But if I, if I can find it in the word, I can ask and I can have this confidence, notice, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So I have confidence he hears me. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have. We know that we have. Do you have that confidence? This, this is how we deal with things. We don't have to worry about it. If we've got the answer through the avenue of prayer, why would I ever worry? Why would I waste my effort, my energy, my time worrying about something I could go to God and connect to the answer about it? If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desired of him. God wants you to pray like this. He wants you to have this kind of certainty and he wants you to have this kind of results. He wants you to be praying and receiving and praying again and receiving again and praying again and receiving again. He wants you to be skilled in prayer, confident in prayer, knowing how to come to him and to engage his supply, engage his resources, engage his help engage his wisdom, engage his light on the situation so that no, no matter what it is you're facing, you're never upset about it. Amen. 
You're never worried about it. You're never fretting about it. But you say, I know what to do. I know my response. I know what God has chosen for me is whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, I make a petition. I bring a definite request to him. And so in light of these two verses, it says that in every circumstance, in every situation, we make definite requests. We make this petition of prayer. And then this verse says that we ask, if we ask anything according to his will. If we ask anything according to his will. Can you show me the amplified right there? Let's see what it says. This is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness. You see this boldness we're supposed to have in in his presence, which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, if we make any request according to his will, in agreement with his plan, in agreement with his plan, he listens to and hears us. And then it goes on to say, and if we know he hears us, we know we have it. Well, the, the element then is that we've got to ask in line with his known will. Because you can't have faith for something he didn't promise you. You can want it. You can, you can hope you get it. You can, you can yearn for it. You can crave it. But for you to be able to believe, faith only comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so for you to have faith to receive it, you've got to have his word on it. So so John, Jesus was teaching in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, he said in verse 7, if you abide in me, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? If, If you abide in me, well, we abide in him by receiving him as Lord. We heard, we heard that he died for us, that he became the sin substitute for us. He was the lamb of God. And so we believed on what he did for us and we accepted him as Lord. And now we are abiding in him. We've been placed into Christ. It says, if any man be in Christ, He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are created new. So where do I abide? I abide in Christ. It is a spiritual geographical location where we live now. We are now in Christ. You may physically be be here in this room at 8390 Peoria, but spiritually you are in Christ. And in Christ, you live and you move and you have your being. It says, in him we live in the book of Acts, in him we move, in him we have our being. So if there are these hundreds and hundreds of verses telling us in the New Testament all that pertains to us in Christ, in him, in whom, in Christ. It, it, all of these things define and identify things that belong to us in Christ. We abide in Christ. And that's where our authority is. If you're trying to deal with something and and bring change, 
into that situation and you're exercising the authority, you've got to do it from your position in Christ. If you are, are receiving from God, you're receiving from this position. This is the position where you are granted uh, access to those privileges and to those resources from the covenant in Christ. He said, if you abide in me. So if we are born again, that's where we are. Amen. But he said, and if you abide in me and... So not only do I need to be saved, I need to be in Christ. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. If my words abide in you. Now, that's, it's possible to be in Christ and not have his words abiding in us. We know we got saved by that word. We're now in him, but it's possible to uh, be in Christ and not be feeding on his word. Amen. It's possible for people to be in Christ and, and not be, be placing the word in their heart, not attending to the word, not inclining their ear to hear it, not putting the word in front of their eyes. And so they're full of care. Because they've been putting CNN and, and MSNBC and, and, and all these different reports and whatever's going on in the newspaper and whatever's going on on social media. They've been feeding on other things and there are other things abiding in them. You know, I shared this morning about me taking a cup off the table that Liliana had milk in. There's still a little bit of milk in the bottom of that glass. And I walked over and I put it in the sink and I turned the water on and I went back to the table to gather some of the other breakfast dishes. And when I came back to the sink, that water had filled up and it had displaced all the milk that had once been in the bottom of that glass. There was no longer milk in the glass. The water that had come into it had pushed all the milk out, pushed it and, and filled it up with water. You know, that works in reverse, too. Amen. That works in reverse. Let's say there was a little bit of water in the glass, and I took the milk out, and I poured the milk until the milk pushed the water out, and it was all milk in the bottom of the glass, right? And so if you're, if you're focusing on the Word, then the Word is what's getting in you. But if you're focusing on the symptoms, if you're focusing on the situation, if you're focusing on the problem, if you're focusing on the evil report or all the drama or even just nonsense, it doesn't even have to be something that is necessarily evil, but it can just be filler. Right? No, it has no spiritual content to it. It's just nonsense. It's just filler. It's just, just fluff. Well, then it can be taking the place of the word. And so we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to keep the condition of our heart, a word-filled heart. So he said, if my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, wait a minute, he said this is the confidence that we have. Whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions, right? He said in every circumstance, no fretting, no anxiety, but in every circumstance, in every situation, I want you to be making definite requests in that request with a giving of thanks because you've received it. 
right? He said, abide in me and my words abiding in you. You'll ask what you will, what you want. Why? See, if his word is abiding in me, what I want is safe. If all that other fluff is abiding in me, what I want might not be safe. If the problem is abiding in me, what I want might not be safe. But if his word is abiding in me, my wants are, are clean. They're washed. They're in that water, right? They're, they're in the light. He said, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So it's possible for the desires of your heart to be in line with his will. And how does that happen? We're focusing on him. We're delighting ourselves in him. We're abiding in his in him and his word is abiding in us. So God wants us to be skilled in this definite request. He wants this to be something that we are um, trained in and highly developed in. Why? Because he wants us getting results and not just for ourselves. You know, one of the greatest things is that I can bring you in here and I, as your pastor, can teach you how to take these principles and put them to work for your life. But then you, as a member of this house, a member of this family, you're able to bring that same skill and that same, that the things that you are learning here that are helping your family, that are helping your finances, and you're able to turn it around and pray for the church and pray for the things that God wants to do through this church family in this world. And so God wants you to have results in prayer. He wants you to be skilled in prayer. He wants you to be highly developed in asking and receiving, seeking and finding, knocking and have it open to you. Amen? So on Wednesday, we began talking about how to have petitions granted. And I want to complete that teaching because uh, it, is, uh, it is necessary for our prayers to be effective. If you pray without effectiveness, it's going to hurt your, your praying. If you pray and don't get answers, you're not going to keep praying. I mean, like, all that doesn't work. I tried that, and it didn't work. I got disappointed. And it may not have been that it wasn't working, because if you work it, it'll work. If we're working it accurately, it will work. But sometimes we give up too soon because of what it looks like. We lay down the faith. We, we set it aside and say, well, I guess it didn't work, when it was still at work. And we talked about that this morning, didn't we? That, that, that faith, he, Jesus said to Jairus, don't fear, only believe. Even though the wind and the waves of the report coming from his house was telling him it's too late, it's over, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus told him, you've got to stay in faith because it's still working. Amen? So what we want to look at is our part. We want to look at some of these things, and I'm sharing with you some things that I learned from Brother Hagen. You can find it by looking on YouTube 
for his teachings about seven steps to prayer, and he also has a book by that title, Seven Steps to Prayer That Brings Results. Over his years of ministry, he taught it over and over and over again. I have a flash drive, and it has, it has like years where he was doing meetings, and in his meetings, he would pray in the morning. And so it has all those morning prayers, plus it has like his prayer seminars that he had every, every year. He would do a prayer seminar for a week. And in those teachings, I have heard him teach it like multiple, multiple, multiple times. He taught this same thing over and over again. Why? Because this is how, these are the things that he learned through all these years about how to be effective in praying the prayer of faith, this petition prayer that we're supposed to be skilled in. And so we're going to rehearse them, okay? And they're going to help us. So number one is locate or determine the will of God that pertains to your situation, Build your case with scriptural evidence. So we're not praying yet. We're, we're in investigation mode. We're examining. We're looking for the basis of our faith. Build your case with scriptural evidence and then invest time to build those verses into your heart, into your spirit, so you have faith to receive them. When Brother Hagen was out on the road he, this was before um, they made a lot of long-distance phone calls, and he and his wife would correspond by, by mail. And so she had sent a letter to the place where he was letting him know that Sister Pat, their little girl, she was just a tiny, tiny child then, that she was sick with something, and it was serious. And Brother Hagen, he was in these meetings, morning sessions and evening sessions, he was doing healing meetings where he was laying hands on the sick. He was preaching healing. But Brother Hagen, he said, before I prayed for my daughter, I took three days. And I spent extra time above the time of preparation for my sermons. I did my preparation for my sermons, but I spent extra time every day reviewing the healing scriptures that I had and that I used Constantly, I went through and fed on them for myself for three days before I prayed for my daughter. The first time I heard that, my ears perked up like a Doberman pincher hearing, hearing a whistle from the block over next door, the block, two blocks over. Those ears just pop right up, don't they? I thought, if Brother Hagen preaching on healing, has healing anointing in his body, he didn't depend on the anointing in him that was for the ministry for his child. He fed on the scriptures for himself to build his faith before he prayed because he was using this, this application of a petition, but he went to the word first and he built his faith in it first. And if he did, how much more do I need to do that? right? So listen, we, we know scriptures. We are well fed here. Many of you, many of you are alumni from our Bible college, but don't let that deceive you into thinking that just because you know it, that your faith is full about it. 
If, if we've been feeding on the word concerning that subject, then we have the nutrition from those scriptures in us. But if we haven't pulled those verses out in a while and chewed on them, if we haven't deposited those specific elements into our spirit in a while, we don't want to just assume we've got faith for that. So this is step number one. And we can't, we can't jump steps and say, I don't want to do that when I'm just going to jump up to step number two. We need to take each step and we need to let each step be established so that when we come to the end, we've got all the pieces that we need. We've got all of the elements that we need. So Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, I'll read from the Amplified. It's a familiar verse, but don't let it be so familiar that you miss the importance of it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your, not your mind, This book of the law shall not depart, not out of your eyes. He said, your mouth, the word in your mouth. This book of the law, the word law refers to a teaching. Uh, We're going to see it in, in the next verse that I have. It's talking about God's instruction. It's not talking about the Ten Commandments. Although they are a part of the instruction of God, it's talking about God's ways, his precepts, his instructions. This word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. If you'll train it to be in your mouth, your mind automatically responds to what you're saying. Your mind is having to think about what's in your mouth. So if your mind is trying to worry The way to get it not to worry is to put the word in your mouth and it has to stop worrying to to think about what you're saying, to focus on what you're saying. So he said, you shall meditate. And the word meditate means to perceive. It means to mentally image. But a definition that you will find in the Strong's Concordance for that word is to mutter to yourself. So to ponder it, To mentally image it, you've got to mutter it to yourself. Why? Because God's word is voice activated. God's word, when you you give voice to God's word, it moves from a logos to a rhema. You, You infuse the life because there's life in you. You infuse life. The life of God is already in that word, but now it's in It's operative working in your life. You're activating it in your life. You're authorizing it into your life. You are birthing it into your life. In in Jeremiah chapter 1, Jeremiah said, I cannot say those things. I am a child. And God said, don't give birth to that. Don't, Don't say I am a child. And the word say there is don't give light to that or don't bring that into existence. And so when I'm speaking the word of God, I'm giving light, light to it. I'm, 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 I'm lighting it up. I'm activating it. The power's there. It's in the word. But for me to activate it in my life, 
I use my voice. So he says, muttering it to yourself. Now, when you're muttering it to yourself, that's not for the purpose of communicating it to the, another person. It's for the purpose of depositing it in your heart. And Brother Caps always taught the first part of confession or declaring the word of God is for the purpose of getting it in you. When you're, when you're speaking that word, you're putting it in your heart because the ears are, are gateways into the heart. He said, incline your ear to hear it. Well, when you speak, it goes right in. You can even cover your outside ears and still hear yourself, right? Because that inward ear is picking it up. So when you speak it, it goes right in through that inward ear down into the heart. And one, when it says, faith comes by hearing, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One way in, in certain translation is faith comes by hearing and hearing yourself speak the word of God. Because you know when you're lying and you know when you're telling the truth and you know if this is God's word, it's truth. Amen. So this muttering to yourself, this book of the law, I'm going to mutter. I'm going to meditate in it day and night. And notice what? That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and you shall deal wisely and have good success. Directly connected to me spending this quality time feeding on that word. Chewing on that word, meditating on the word. Psalms chapter one, verse one, blessed, happy, fortunate. I'm in the amplified. Uh, prosperous and enviable is the man or woman who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, their purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. We don't want to be in any of those places, Right? We don't want to be, we don't want to be uh, with the counsel of the ungodly in the path where sinners walk or where the scornful and the mockers gather. But our delight and our desire are in the law of the Lord and on his law. Here's our definition for God's law, his precepts, his instructions, the teachings of God. On these, I habitually meditate. I ponder and I study by day and night. And again, this word meditate includes the definition of muttering it to myself, speaking it to myself. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity." Not because I have found some, some grand scheme to make myself successful, that I've come up with that, that you know, once-in-a-lifetime deal. No, but the Word has done it. All I do is I feed on the Word, and the Word brings me what I need to know. It puts in me the strength that I need to have. It gives me that faith for me to be able to walk into the things I need to walk into. So, Brother Charles Capps, he had, uh, we, we've talked about him before, but let me just use, because what an example he's given for us. Brother Charles Capps, he was saved, 
serving God, Sunday school teacher in his full gospel church, had been raised in this full gospel church, Holy Spirit filled, tongue talker, walking in, you know, the, the, the things of that, whatever denomination that was that they were in. He, he was active in his church. But he made a decision one day. He said, you know, I'm going to do this, this business deal with, because he was a farmer and, and had some real estate. I'm going to do this business deal. And if it's really God, I'm going to put out a fleece before God. If it's God, then let it happen this way. Well, it happened that way, but it wasn't God. Because God doesn't want us to use outside circumstances to determine his will. He wants to lead us by the inward spirit, by the inward witness, by his spirit in our inner man. He wants the peace to be the way he leads us. So because he had done this deal and, and it went sour, he was over a million dollars in debt now. And he said, I had been a successful farmer. I mean, he had like thousands of acres that he was farming. He said, I had been a successful farmer all my life. I had been raised in this. I knew how to do this. But because this, this negative outcome, I turned negative and I began saying, it's never going to go right. If I sow my seed this way, then the, the frost is going to come early. If I do this, the rain's going to come. And he said, sure enough, he did it wrong all year long. He said, I worked all year long and didn't have enough money to renew my driver's license at the end of the year. Couldn't even pay for the driver's license renewal. He's having to go to the bank and get loans and live on these loans and just turn these loans over, right? And so the book, he, somebody came to his house and had some books and said, man, I've finished reading these. Do you want to read them? And one of them was Right and Wrong Thinking. And he picks up this book and he said it was a little book and it is. He reads through this book and he identifies himself in that because it says if you think wrong, you're going to believe wrong. And if you believe wrong, you're going to speak wrong. And that's exactly what he was doing. And so he said, I ordered a few other books by this author, Brother Hagen. And he said, I began, to, he said, I had never, I'd been in church all my life and never heard anybody teach on Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. And so he, he begins to get into the word of God. And so this is what the Lord told him. He was, listen, he was so upside down in his finances. The Lord told him, study and search my word for promises that pertain to you as a believer. Make a list of these and confess them out loud daily. They will, listen to me, they will build up your spirit over time. Then when these truths are established in your spirit, they will become true in you. So Brother Caps took a yellow legal pad and he began to go to the scripture and he would find scriptures and he would write them out and he would make them personable to him. Like, I am blessed going in and coming out. I am blessed in the field and in the city in the basket. The Lord blesses the works of my hands. He put it in, he took those scriptures and personalized them 
in, so that he could confess them about his situation. He's got this yellow legal pad with a couple of pages on it, and every day he's adding to those pages. And he folds it up, and he puts it in his pocket, and he goes out, and he gets on the tractor, and he goes working, and he gets ready to take a break, and he, he'll park in between the turn rows, you know, where the, the tractor rides in between, and climb off his tractor and pull that out. He said, I would stand on the other side of the barn and just walk back and forth with my scriptures, or I'd be out in the, in the middle of the field, and I'd pull, pull it out and just walk back and forth, and I'm reading these scriptures, and for about a year... For about a year, he's focusing on these scriptures. He's building them into his spirit. And he said, there was a property that he had always leased. And it was a property that was owned by people who had been there for generations and generations. He had tried to buy that piece of property before. They had not been interested in selling it. And he said, he got a phone call and they said to him, if you would like to buy the property where you are leasing to, to plant your crops on, we might be interested in selling it. And he, would you be interested in buying it? He said, I will buy it. And so he hangs up the phone and his wife, nothing has changed. They're still upside down in these finances, right? His wife says, did you say you're going to buy that property? He said, yes. She said, what are you going to use for money? And he said, out of his spirit, it didn't come out of his head, out of his spirit, he said, I opened up my mouth and said, money is no problem. And he said, it shocked me when I said it. I didn't plan to say it, didn't, didn't, didn't you know, specifically look for that phrase and speak it out. He said, it floated up out of my spirit. Money will be no problem. And he said, he originally went to one bank where he normally did his banking. And at first they said, yes, we will give you the, the, he just needed like the down payment. He didn't need the whole loan. He just needed whatever down payment. And they said, we'll give it to you. And the day before he was supposed to close on it, he went there and they backed out of it. And he said, normally I would have said that, yeah, that's always going to happen to me. If it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. Day before I'm supposed to close, he said, normally, because he had been in that negative flow, he said, but instead, what he heard was his voice saying, money will be no problem. And he said, the Holy Spirit prompted him to look across the street, and there was another bank. And he said, Lord, I don't even know anybody in that bank. I mean, I, I don't have a relationship with them. And the Lord told him to walk in and to ask them. And he walked in and they said, yeah, we heard about that deal. We'll give you all of it if you need it. And he goes, no, I don't need all of it. He purchased that property and money was no problem. He sold off a portion to the school district, paid off the property and had such a, an a, a, a increase that he was within a year out of the debt. Where did it start? Meditate in my word day and night. You will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. You're, how are you going to see how to do it? The word in you will help you see how to do it. It was the word that he had meditated on 
that brought the favor to him, that, that brought the wisdom to him, that gave him the faith to receive it. All that he needed, it came from the word he'd been putting in day after day. So when we get ready to pray, we don't want to just jump ahead and start spouting petitions. We want to go first and we want to get the word and deposit it. Put that word in our heart so that word can can provide the faith that we're going to need in that situation. So he was one day, he when he started ministering, when he started ministering and going different places and preaching, you know, Brother Hagan would have him come to some of his conferences, the full gospel businessmen were having him come. He was taking a copying machine and copying those pages of his off his legal pad that he had had folded up he was he was copying them and passing out to people at his table and buddy harrison said to him you need to put that in a book god's creative power is the name of that book god's creative power will work for you all of those things are the things that he was using putting in his mouth and in his heart every day that changed his life and they are still selling millions of copies of that book, and people are still taking those words and putting them in their heart. It's God's word. Amen? So this studying and searching for the word, that's step number one. Then step number two is make specific requests before the Lord. Specific requests. We saw that in some of our our verses at the beginning of this teaching, but let's look at a couple of more. John 16, 23 and 24. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. He says it again in Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Hallelujah. And then also in Mark 11, 23 and 24. For assuredly I say unto you, whosoever says to this mountain be removed, and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So, when I have the faith in my heart, built by the word, then asking is the rule of the kingdom, as Pastor Steele says. Asking is the rule of the kingdom. That, that asking, I can't just say, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. No, he said ask. Even though your father knows what you have need of, he still says for you to ask. Why? Because asking is the legal transaction. So this request, this petition is an exchange of your faith. And we've referred to it in these last teachings 
that we've had here in the church, we've referred to it as a financial transaction. That when I'm asking, that's when I have made that legal request. If somebody shows up at your door tonight with a pizza, like, what? Surprise, surprise. What are you doing here? I didn't order a pizza, but I'll take it, right? I didn't order it. What's it doing here? Right? Anybody ever have that happen? Have you ever had anybody show up at your house and say, hey, I got pizza. I didn't order a pizza. Why? Because you didn't order it. But how many of you have ever ordered a pizza and had it delivered to your house? Why did it come? You ordered it. That's the law of the kingdom. Have I ordered it? And when I ordered it, did I have a faith transaction to make? If I call and order it and they say, and let's say they require you to pay. I know you can pay at the door, but if they required you to pay when you made the order, if you don't have money, then the order can't process. If you don't have faith, that order can't process. Amen. You can say, but I need it. Yeah, but the, the faith is the transaction point. So that's why we don't, uh, we don't overlook step one. We, we build the faith so that when we make the call, we've got the faith to cover what we're about to order. This is how I know that he, he, he grants this request because it's according to his will. I'm coming on the basis of his word. Lord, your word says in 1 Peter 2.24 that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. So, Father, I receive, I take, I request of that healing, and I receive it now. Do you hear what, what, what she said? And when she was testifying about God healer, she said, I came for the healing. I came when, when I heard pastor was going to be praying. He invited praying. She said, I came, I, I, I came to get healed right? She, she, she came with that expectation, with that already in her heart. So this, this asking is the legal transaction point. I'm asking in faith, and that's my legal transaction point. Now, now because this is a petition of faith, I've got a certain, a certain protocol that I need to cover from this moment on because... According to Mark 11, I believed I received when I prayed. I believed I received when I prayed. Now, your answer is not like the Papa John's app that has a map showing you if it's in the, in the oven or if it's in the car or you can see that little car driving down the street to your house. You don't get one of those, but you know it is more reliable. God's word is more reliable than the Papa John's app. So even though you can't Google it, you can't look it up on there and find out where they are with your pizza, with your answer, you know that answer is mine. I have made the faith transaction for that answer, so it would be inappropriate and detrimental to my faith for me to go back and pray it again. You know, if you call back and you order another pizza, you might end up with 15 pizzas before the night's over. Well, I, I, ordered, I just wanted one, but 
When it didn't get here in time, I picked up the phone and I called for another. I called again and I ordered the same pizza. And so you got 15 pizzas headed your way because you didn't get it. And you kept calling and saying, well, I'm requesting a pizza. Didn't you just call? You want another one? No, I really just want the one I ordered. Right? And so it's, it's detrimental to our faith for us. It, it, we, we undo the prayer of faith if we go back and pray for something we already believed we received. If I believed I received it, now I've got to follow a different protocol. In this situation, now I need to know what do I do because they're... they're look at Mark 11. Look at Mark 11 because you need to realize about this delivery. He said in verse 23, shall not doubt in his heart, I'm about midway through the verse, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says, Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have. Shall have is future, but believe that you receive is present. So when I pray is when I receive it, but it's not necessarily when I have it. When I pray is when I receive it. Now that has legally come into into my ownership, although it may not be in my possession. Physically in manifestation, it is mine by right. So what do I do in between the time that I have taken ownership and the time that I take possession in the natural manifestation of it. What do I do to maintain my position and not deteriorate or back up or lose ground from where I stood when I believed I received it? Here we go. Dominate your mind with the received answer. So now we're talking about renewing our mind. Dominate your mind with the received answer. Never permit a mental image of failure. And isn't that exactly what happens? When you lay hold of something that you know is the will of God for you, you lay hold of it in prayer, and in between the time that you lay hold of it and the time that it comes into manifestation, the enemy comes to fight your mind and say, it's not working, you don't have that. What are you doing? You look silly. Saying you believed you received. Well, you've got to use the weapons. It says in 2 Corinthians 10... Verses 3 through 5, that we walk in the flesh, but we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. So the weapons that I use pull down those strongholds of doubt and fear, cast down arguments and things that try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and bring thoughts captive. 
That's what I've got to do. Now I've got to take my weapons and I've got to dominate my thinking. This is my mind. My mind is not the place for the enemy's doubt. So we have weapons and we've got to use those weapons to resist the enemy. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. We resist him. Hallelujah. We resist him. And then you keep your mind focused on the Lord. Isaiah 26, 3 says, God will keep you in perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Hallelujah. And we read from Philippians 4 about making our petition, but it goes on to say in verse 8 in Philippians, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So there we go back again. I started by taking the word and I put it in me. Now I've got to keep my focus on what I was looking at originally. And so that's the next step. The next step, we've got... We've got I'm going to rehearse them. Locate or determine the will of God that pertains to your situation. Make specific requests to the Lord. Number three, dominate your mind with the received answer. And now number four, abide in the word. Continue to abide in the word that you took your stand on. You're not done with those verses yet. They provided the strength for you to receive by faith and make that faith transaction, and they'll provide the strength for you to be able to stand in that faith. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32 says, the word of God is able to build you up. We need that building up. I need the building up that the word provides. It says, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Hallelujah. What does that for me? The Word. The Word builds me up. The Word gives me an inheritance. The Bible says that we can be nourished up in words of faith. I need that nourishment those faith words bring. So we've got to abide in that Word. Stay with that Word that you originally took your stand on. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin said, If you don't see yourself with the thing that you requested... The word has departed from your eyes. If you don't see yourself with it, the word has departed from your eyes. So how do we fix that? Put the word back in front of our face. Put our face back in that word and keep our eyes on that word. Because with that word, I can see myself with the thing I believed I received when I prayed. I have it. Yeah, but it doesn't look like you have it. It doesn't feel like you have it. Feelings and appearances are not truth. The truth is, I believed I received when I prayed. I have it. It's mine now. So I've got to, I've got to maintain that through the word. And then 
Thank God for the answer. Thank God for the answer. This, this tool or this vehicle, this instrument of thanks, of giving this gratitude to God. Philippians 4, 6, we saw it there. Definite requests with thanksgiving. We also see it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. Pray without ceasing. And what do you follow that up with? In everything, give thanks. Pray without ceasing, give thanks. Pray, give thanks. Pray, give thanks. Pray, give thanks. Why, when you pray, you receive. So what do you do? Thank you. And then I'm going to pray again. And then what? Thank you. Why? Because I have it. So one way to keep yourself in faith is to keep yourself in gratitude. Thank you, Lord, I have it. Hallelujah. We know that this, this praising God, this thanking God is powerful. We know that in 2 Chronicles, when they sent out the praisers before the army, Hallelujah. It says, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the enemy. When did that happen? When they began to sing and praise. So when you began to praise God for the answer, when you began to thank God for the answer, and you are focusing on Him through worshiping Him, through praising Him, you are you are providing an atmosphere that God can set those ambushments against the, the enemy uh, who's trying to keep you from seeing yourself with the answer. Hallelujah. Then the next step is keep your faith in your mouth. Not just with the gratitude and the praise, but with that declaration. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Hold it fast. That means hold it tightly. Get a grip on it. Hold fast what? The declaration, the confession, the speaking out of our faith without wavering back from it, without changing it. Hold it strong. Hold that declaration. I believed I received when I prayed. I have the answer. I have that promise. It's mine now. I am blessed. I am healed. Hallelujah. Matthew 12, 35 says, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. When you're speaking that declaration, you're bringing out of your heart that promise that you are standing on. Brother Hagin said, it is thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words that leads the heart out of defeat and into victory. Hallelujah. It is thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words that leads the heart out of defeat and into victory. We need that leading It is thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words that leads the heart out of defeat and into victory. Hallelujah. Your faith will never rise above your confession. If you're not saying it, 
You're not activating it. You're not speaking. Remember that when you speak God's word, you're, it, the word always has power, but that power may not be activated in your situation. But when you go to speaking God's word, making that declaration with that force of faith, you're, you're, you've already loaded your heart with the faith, and now your heart is loading your words with that faith. And those, faith, those words coming out of your mouth aren't blanks coming out of the gun. Those are loaded, loaded bullets, loaded with faith, loaded with the power to move the mountain. It's not words that move mountain. It's not faith that moves mountain. It's faith-filled words that move mountains. He says that you've got to speak to the mountain and believe in your heart. So it's our faith-filled words. And, and that with building it into your heart provides so that when the words come out, you're bringing forth faith in your words. Hallelujah. So we are, we've determined the will of God. We've made that specific request before the Lord. Now we've dominated our mind with the received answer. We see ourselves with it. We continue to abide in the word that we took the stand on. We thank God for the answer and we keep this declaration of faith in our mouth. And now we hold, your, hold our faith ground. The last step is hold your faith ground. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, he says, stand. You've taken your stand. Just stand and let the word work for you. Hallelujah. And if there is still a waiting that is going on, feel free to go back and repeat the giving of thanks, repeat the declaration of the word, repeat that dominating your mind with the answer. That's not just something you do once. That's something you do until you see the answer. I'm dominating my mind. I see myself with it. Hallelujah. These are elements that all require skill. The more that you work them, the more skillful you become in working them. The more that you, the, the very first time I ever had to dominate my mind with the received answer, I realized how undisciplined I had allowed my mind to be. That wait, 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 I can't let my mind think that way. I can't even let it go there. I can't even touch that with my thoughts. You know, when I first got saved, I didn't know I could do that. I thought that I had to just let whatever thought came into my mind come in and then I had to fight it. You know, if it was a wrong thought, the thought came in, and then I, I struggled with that thought until I gained victory over it. But I found out that it's possible for me to take it captive without having to spend days and weeks having to suffer with that thought before I gained victory over it. That whatever, when thoughts come, they're not always mine. A lot of, when you realize that, you'll realize, wait, 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 that is not my thought. That's not my thought, and that thought didn't come from my heavenly Father, so I know who that one came from, and I'm not letting it in. 
I'm just going to, that, that one's going to meet my bouncer at the door. We're going to just go ahead and take him into custody right here and now so that I don't have to let him go around and mess up this week for me. And take that thought right into custody and put it under lock and key. And no, 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 you are not, you are not taking up mental real estate. You're not hanging out, messing with my day. Hallelujah. When you, when you, we, we look at these steps and they're not supposed to become like a, a legalistic way of praying. It's supposed to help you see the spiritual activity around you standing and receiving something with this prayer petition. These, these are specific guidelines for that prayer of petition, for something that you can find in the Word of God belongs to you. And now you've got to bring it from that, that place where it's in your spiritual account into manifestation in your life. And sometimes the things going on in your life try to distract you from receiving it. So we, we look at these different things and they're actually all aspects of walking in the Spirit. Renewing your mind, that's an aspect of walking in the Spirit. But when you look at it from a place of prayer, you're like, I prayed specifically for the pressure to come down to 15. And so 17, that was better, but it wasn't what I prayed for. So I'm not letting go of my faith yet. He said, he said we wanted the pressure in my eyes to come down to 15. And when they came down to 17, well, that's good, but that's not what I prayed for. So I'm not going to let off my faith now and say, okay, well, I guess I'll just deal with 17. I guess I'll just take, you know, part of the answer. No, he, he kept dominating his, no, I saw 15. I said 15. I believed I received 15 and he got 14. Hallelujah. Cause God exceeds. Hallelujah. But do you see if you, if you don't have that answer in your mind, if you don't, if you don't exercise with that gratitude and with the praise and with the declaration of faith and you're feeding on it still, you can say, well, I, I prayed, but then you didn't do anything after you prayed and your mind was bombarded with it's not working and nothing is changing. And then you finally spoke in line with all the pressure that was coming against you. And you say, well, I tried to believe God and I prayed, but then all this other stuff happened and it wasn't all the other stuff. It was this lack of skill, but we're going we're gonna to gain skill. We're going to gain skill because we're going to apply it in our personal life, and then we're going to bring that same thing to the work of God. And we're going we're gonna to lay hold of things with our church family and pray for each other and see the power of God working through our prayers because God wants you having much fruit. And he's talking about the fruits of righteousness, answered prayer is a major, major part of that fruit of righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. Get your prayers answered. Did you get received something tonight?